0: Hey you doing?! Yeah,
1: the are. Are you hey on? tiny, who's Excellent. playing
0: it? Jolly Green Giants? Ooh. Shitty beetles. The shitty beetles, are they any good? They suck. But it's not just a clever name. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music and the music is for the people. We at Rockstreks 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artists in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to
0: Rock
1: Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, gear up. We are in the second half of the Top 80 Albums Countdown of 1992, so let's get into number 40 right here seems like there's a lot of sophomore albums here on this countdown this one being no exception the second ever record released by kaius the album's called blues for the red sun it came out on june 30th of 1992 co-produced by chris goss who is actually the lead singer of the great masters of reality and co-produced by the entire band as well Yeah, I didn't actually take the journey early on with Caius, (laughs) and that's not a drug reference for me. Not for me, at least. Uh, For other people, fine. But uh, (laughs) I I didn't become a fan of this band until a few years after the fact, like after they had broken up. Uh, And I had heard some of the songs here and there, but I just never got into the records in full. I remember hearing from friends and even musicians that I was into, like how cool Caius was. I just... Never got on board, but, you know, I made it on board eventually and still enjoyed listening to this record all these years later. So let's kick off the show here today with, uh, from what I understand, the only single actually released from this album. Maybe, I I think this album could have had a decent shot at rock radio, or at least a harder edged and harder alternative rock radio. So I'm going to play it here on my show in the just-in-case-you-haven't-heard-it-yet factor. So kicking off the show today, this is Caius with Green Machine. you call that kind of stuff desert rock or stoner rock or whatever i kind of like the desert rock term myself because every time i hear almost any kaius song i just picture like a gto or a charger just speeding off into the sand in the dunes of the desert that's what those albums do for me let me know what it does for you but there you have it that was kaius with green machine from blues from the red sun our number 40 album and moving over here to number 39 I should have been keeping track of how many times we're going to run into this guy throughout this countdown, but producer Dave Jordan is producing this record right here that came out on February 11th of 1992. It is the fourth full-length studio album by Social Distortion. Speaking of rock, rock, rock and roll, Social Distortion always brings that no-bullshit filter with it, you know, just basic tough guy, alpha rock and roll And gals, I should say, because you go to a Social D show, it's going to be very 50-50. So yeah, and I wouldn't fight anybody in that room. But yes, love me some Social Distortion their album here, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. Definitely, if I had to guess, that's probably their best-selling album of all time. I knew a lot of people that had this record, and when I worked in the CD stores and stuff, I used to sell it all the time. So I'm going to go with the fact that This is their best selling album. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Because it's a damn fine record. Let's play you my favorite song off of it right here. This one is Born to Lose. Born to Lose right there by Social D. Hope you enjoyed that. Mike Ness, he's got that very distinctive voice. It really suits the music. Just always comes off genuine to me. He seems like a genuine enough dude. And this next guy here definitely seems like a genuine dude as far as like, man, this is a guy that has definitely stuck to his story. You're not going to find a lot of tales of people getting out of a successful band in the middle of the mega successful run, especially in the middle of a tour, no less. I mean, at this point, now you know who I'm talking about. Izzy Stradlin wasted very little time after he quit Guns N' Roses. If I had to guess, he was probably working on this record, you know, as he was leaving the band. This album came out October 13th, by the way, 1992. It's called Izzy Stradlin and the Juju Hounds, which was supposed to be the name of the band as well. And at this point, this is the only album that he released under that band name and all the other subsequent solo records, if you will, are all just under the name Izzy Straddling, of course. If you can find them. That's the other thing, man. Once again, sticking to his story. This guy was like, I stepped away from the big time and I just want to play in the bars and do my own thing. And man, did he really do his own thing. I'm not faulting the guy for doing it. If, if you're not having fun, don't do it. For sure. And I'm sure there's a lot of Guns N' Roses fans that are still angry with him for leaving the band. A lot of people would say, you know, much like I've said about Steve Clark, when he passed away, he it was the heart and soul of that band, of Def Leppard. And once he died, they were really never the same. A lot of people feel that way about Izzy leaving Guns. A lot of people were like, they never were the same after he left. You could definitely argue that. <laughs> there's a lot of evidence. But I still love Guns. But I, I do dig this Izzy record. I'm guilty of not having heard really much of the other albums. I will definitely be doing that as I take this journey throughout these years. But I am definitely curious now at this point. Doing a relisten of Izzy straddling the Juju Hounds, I definitely appreciate it a whole lot more. So basically since his album has come out, I've consumed the entirety of the Rolling Stones catalog, at least for the most part. I'd say 99% of it and anything like that that you can hear on this record that kind of influence so i massively appreciate this album a whole lot more than i did when it came out and i'm sure a lot of people around my age could probably say the same thing when they go back and revisit this record and at the time this album came out i wasn't even aware of this song right here i'm gonna play the cover song off of this record because i love this version so much and it's one of my favorite songs of all time so i I gotta go for it here so if you didn't know, the second track on this record is a cover of Toots on the Tell's Pressure Drop. And if you just see that on the label of the record, and you kind of know what Izzy's about, he's kind of like a Keith Richards type, you think, oh, he's just going to play a traditional reggae version of Pressure Drop. But no, he takes it in a punk rock direction. So it's a lot of fun. So check it out right here. Turn it up. This is Izzy Stradlin' The Juju Hounds with Pressure Drop. That always gets me going right there. Easy Stradlin doing Pressure Drop from Izzy Stradlin and the Juju Hounds. Hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. Let's move along here to album number 37. 37 with uh, probably the only band on this countdown that hails from Denmark. That'd be DAD, a.k.a. Disneyland After Dark. Super cool band right here. They put out their fourth album. And they put it out technically towards the end of 1991. But I could put it here on my countdown because, number one, I missed it for the 91 countdown. Or at least I'm pretty sure I did. (laughs) Man, I had to be really out to lunch to have done this one twice. But I will say the album was officially released in the rest of the world, a.k.a. the USA, in early 1992. So it makes it here on the 92 list. So I'm putting it in on principle. Also, so you and I can enjoy it here. Yeah, it's a fun record. I have yet to hear like a bad record by him. I've I've decently enjoyed all their stuff that I've heard so far. So once again, much like I talked about with the Izzy record earlier, I look forward to following the career of this band and kind of as a new thing in a weird way and just listening to those full albums top to bottom. So this one right here jumped out at me. I I quite enjoyed it. It was a little lighthearted. So let's go with this one right here. And let's mention the fact that this song is from their album called Riskin' It All. It was produced by Nikolaj Fos and Lars Overgaard. So yeah, I did that on the first take. So from the album Riskin' It All, this is Making Fun of Money. 36 right there in our countdown d.a.d from the album risking it all and that was making fun of money and moving all the way over from denmark to my home state of louisiana or louisiana new orleans louisiana to be exact lillian axe put out their third record right at the top of the year january 14th of 92 this album poetic justice produced by leif masses there's a name for you this one i didn't own this until just a few years ago i saw it used on cd so i'm like you know i've never owned that i'm gonna pick it up because i definitely have a massive affinity for the song i'm about to play for you this was the single off the record and it is so damn catchy in my opinion i definitely refer to this one as a z-rock classic they probably played this at least every other hour on z-rock so me playing super mario world or or a Ninja Turtles game or something like that and just cranking up this one right here. And the rest of the album actually holds up pretty decently. So enough to come in here at number 35 on the top 80 albums of 92 Countdown. So turn it up and dig it. This is True Believer. <laughs> Doing my home state proud right there. That was Lillian Axe with True Believer off of their own Poetic Justice. Hope you enjoyed that. Moving over to LA, Los Angeles, California for yet another band's third album right here. And this is a case where the band's best-selling album truly is their best album, if you ask me. And I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me here. But this band put out their third album here on April 14th, 1992. Produced by Butch Vig. There's that name again. And yes, L7 and their record Bricks Are Heavy. This is just a nice, heavy, rocking, riff fest of an album. And I dig it. I definitely have had this pretty much its entire lifespan. And I definitely throw it on every now and then. And it's still very enjoyable. It's interesting. It's kind of a record I can play in any mood, whether I'm pissed off or I'm in a good mood. It just kind of works. And there's definitely a lot of kick-ass songs on here. I've even played some of them on the show before. I've played Monster before. That's great. You probably know Shitlist. That was used in Natural Born Killers. I remember seeing the video for Everglade a lot on Headbangers Ball, and I like that one a lot too. But like I did with a few other bands on this countdown, I'm going with the super-duper obvious song, the big hit, because this song still rules, and it's definitely something that belongs on any wrap-up of 1992. So turn it way up. Because yes, you must. This 7 with Pretend We're Dead. Ah, yes. I think I got the number right. Finally, I had to redo the numbers here in my head. That was actually album number 35 on the countdown. Man, I am killing it tonight. Uh, but yes, album number 35, Bricks Are Heavy by L7. Of course, that was Pretend We're Dead. One of my all-time favorite pick up the guitar and play him songs. I play that one a lot. Love playing that little hook line in there which always sounds like a saxophone to me. I don't even know if it is. I feel like it's just a guitar with an interesting effect on it. I've never been sure about that. But I know I dig it, and that's the important part. So yes, getting back on the ball here. Coming in at number 34 uh, is an album that I've actually written an essay about before in the past. I wrote it on the old Talking Metal website. But yes, March or Die by Motorhead this album came out august 14th of 92 it was produced by peter sully and it was done in the heart of los angeles and another thing i referenced in the article they recorded this in the midst of the riots that went down after the rodney king lapd verdict so yeah album was recorded in a weird time wrong place wrong time kind of thing right but The main idea of my enjoyment of this record, it's not the strongest Motorhead album, but it's one of those uh, cliches I like to use, not in the top three and not in the bottom three either, but it's an important album for them in the sense that the band solidified themselves because of this record, and right at the very end of the session, they solidified their forever lineup, which wound up, of course, being Lemmy phil campbell and mickey d on drums so phil taylor quit the band during the sessions for this album he plays on like a couple of songs and then for most of the record tommy aldrich who you know from a lot of different bands ozzy white snake black oak arkansas he he played on most of this record and then right at the very end they record the song i'm about to play here to represent the album. And with that right there, that performance is so good. I even believe that everybody just kind of took a look around and was like, well, this is the band. And it remained the band for, you know, what, another 25 years. One of the most solid lineups and most consistent recording and touring lineups of any band ever. So even though it's not a perfect album, it's a very important album, I think, in overall history. So yeah, that's me getting a little eloquent about stuff like Motorhead. But that's what I'm here for. So let's get into the music. Do you still have it cranked up from Pretend We're Dead? You're going to want to keep it up and maybe even just raise it a bit more for this one right here. Like I said, the last song recorded for the record, this song does have Mickey D on the drums, and it rules. I did not play it specifically during the odds and ends, even though I could have, because I wanted to save it to represent March or Die. So here's Motorhead with Hellraiser. Great, almighty, iconic Motorhead with the 34th best album of 1992, March or Die. That was Hellraiser, of course, also from the movie Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, but also from that record. And of course, it originally appeared on Ozzy's No More Tears record, which Lemmy wrote half that record and made a lot of money doing it. And yes, if you did not know, Lemmy did co write Mama, I'm Coming Home. Yes, he did. Then Ozzy returns a favor on March or Die and does I Ain't No Nice Guy with him. Which should have been a bigger hit, obviously. I mean, with those two guys doing a ballad about life and reflection, should have been all over radio. But radio doesn't play Motorhead. They really never have. And they never will, really, won't they? But that's really what makes Motorhead ultimately cool. Is that radio has never touched them. At least not regular-ass radio. Okay, Moving on here, album number 33, this band's second album right here, and they are just on the cusp of becoming a really, really big deal, and they'd get a lot of buzz on this record, but they wouldn't become superstars until their third album, but this is a band I got into due to my friendship with my best friend in the whole world, Chris, the CFCNJ, and this is a band I resisted just because they were popular and it was a stupid reason to reject a band outright. And because of my friendship with him, I gave him another try and I actually wound up really liking them and I liked their record. So, so I never really fell off with them for the most part. And yeah, I got a lot of great memories of this record. And I would definitely say if you're sick of a lot of the obvious songs by this band, give this record a shot. So I'm talking about. The Offspring. They put out their second record, Ignition, here on October 16th of 1992, produced by Tom Wilson, who I mentioned that guy on the 82 countdown just recently because he had produced Dead Kennedy's Plastic Surgery Disasters, and he also produced one of my all-time favorite albums, Stiff Bader's Disconnected. So that guy's got some cred making The Offspring sound good here on this record, and I could have picked a whole lot of different songs from this record, but it had to be this one. If you're out there, Chris, you knew it had to be this one, right? This song is so big time. It's great, and I'm always going to love it. So keep it turned up. This is The Offspring from Ignition with Kick em When He's Down. The offspring right there with kick him when he's down from ignition. They're about a year and a half away at this point from becoming one of the biggest rock bands in the whole world. To the surprise of everyone, I think, including them. But it's it's a great story. But we'll talk about that on a future countdown. Moving on here to album number thirty-two, a guy who I'm a huge, huge fan of. And I was actually lucky enough to run into this record for its initial run, and it definitely wasn't promoted all that well, but I caught it probably the one or two times they played the launch single off of this on MTV, and I was like, hey, I know that guy. He used to be in the Georgia Satellites, and I love the Georgia Satellites. So yes, Dan Baird put out his debut solo album sometime in 1992. This album called Love Songs for the Hearing Impaired Produced by super producer Brendan O'Brien, whose name has popped up a few times, I think, already on this countdown, and probably will a few more times. Yeah, big fan of Dan, hell of a songwriter. Check out all those three Georgia Satellites records, and you'll hear how great of a writer he is. And just understands the best aspects of roots and rock and roll and all that good stuff. And it's all throughout this record here on Love Songs for the Hearing Impaired very tempted to go with the song that hooked me, which is I Love You Period, which is one of the most witty songs I think I've ever heard, especially the chorus. It's great. But I'm going to go with this one right here. And the reason I'm playing this, this reminds me of one of my favorite Georgia Satellite songs called Dan Takes Five off of their last album. And so just one of those like hit the road and just keep your foot on the gas pedal. It's one of those kind of songs. So I'm going to play it right here because I feel like it right now, especially after all these other great songs. So let's keep the tempo up tempo with Seriously Gone. Dan baird right there with a nice rocker seriously gone from love songs for the hearing impaired go check that out i would have to say and i I didn't mention this earlier in the episode and not a knock on some of the earlier stuff i played on this episode but i'd say as of the l7 record on this episode in this countdown that's the line of pretty much i would say you need to own all these records so going with that And a lot of these episodes you're still hearing, they're kind of in blocks of the points. So you can play around with the order if you want in your own head. I really got to tell you about some of the stuff I cut out on a future episode. It's kind of weird. And I'll probably get a little bit of pushback on it. But I'm prepared for all the pushback. I'm already getting some flack, which is totally fine. I'm fine with the constructive criticism. That just means you guys are listening. I'm sure I'm going to hear about this one. But like I said, this this had a lot of points. So I'm just having a don't hit me moment right here. Because this is just how the album fell on the list. But yes, hey, let's have a strong closer on the episode, shall we? Coming in at number 31 right here. Easily, I think, the most popular album by this band. I mean, it would have to be. I'd be surprised if it wasn't in sales and just all-around greatness. I played a lot of up-tempo stuff here on this episode, so we're going to bring it down here at the end, even though I say we're going to finish strong with uh, one of the more popular and successful sophomore albums of all time. This album came out on September 29th, 1992 produced by dave jordan there's that name again and yes gonna talk about dirt by alice and chains don't gasp sorry i can hear you out there do not gasp i i'm a big fan of dirt it's like i said we have passed the line right now and all these records are massively ownable and hopefully this will all make sense as we continue on on this countdown but yes getting back to dirt what can you say about it? There's been books written about this thing, or pretty much, I feel like there has been. Anything that I could repeat about this record at this point would just come straight from the Whatever Nevermind episode, for sure. I, I like that Baco pointed out, like, this is probably the most candid record that most anybody has ever made. It's up there, for sure. That That's for goddamn sure. I'm just going back to my nostalgia of of what I have of this. It's like a Z Rock album for me in a sense, especially Them Bones. Like, I still remember hearing that song for the first time. It was on Z Rock's New Stuff for an hour because I would listen to that show religiously because I would always be able to stay tuned with what's coming out or what's out right now that's new because there was so much stuff coming out, as you can tell by this countdown especially in 92, but yeah, I remember hearing Them Bones, I was like, holy hell, because I was very familiar with Facelift, all my friends had it, so I heard it a lot, and I liked it, but I could tell right away that I was like, okay, this is a step up, this is a big evolution in their sound, and I was right, because this album has it all for a fan of Alice in Chains, it is the record for them, for sure. So yeah, that's about all I got. I had to keep it personal in order to not, you know, just repeat something that a lot of people have already heard already about it. So yeah, it's still like a Super Nintendo record for me, weirdly enough, despite as as dark as it is. Sometimes you're just at an age where you're like, I just want to hear heavy guitars. I like guitars. And yeah, that's kind of what it is sometimes at the end of the day, especially when you are right around about 13 years old. So yes, Let's go with this one right here to close off the show. I feel like it's a good closer. And this one's for you, Baco, Because as you've already said, this should be the album closer. He's not a fan of Wood being on the record. And I get it. I I understand. I appreciated having Wood on on the record. Because I, I didn't own singles initially. But yes, this would definitely be the closer in a perfect world. Because you could just feel... It's that moment, It's and I hate to use a heroin reference, but I'm gonna, that scene in Train Spotting, whenever he sinks into the floor in Perfect Day by Lou Reed comes on, you could have easily just put the last, like, howl of Lane Staley on that, and that's really how the album ends for me mentally, Is in that sense. It's just the sound of that. That's the best way I can put it. So here's Allison Chains with Angry Chair. Closing off the show here for now, that was Alice in Chains with Angry Chair from their album Dirt. And we say goodbye to this particular episode of Rock Strikes 10. We've got 30 more albums to cover for the year 1992, and it's going to be great. At least I think so. I, I hope you feel the same after you hear them. But until then, stay tuned for my better half NOLA with the plugs followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola.
2: We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. where cinema's trash is treated like treasure, and the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business, Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
1: Post game show is brought to you by
0: Christ, I can't
1: find it. To hell with it.